0: I'm Daniel Giacopelli, it's the 27th of April, and this is The Courier Daily. During the pandemic, small business owners all over the world are feeling the heat. So every day we've been checking in with them to hear how they're adapting, pivoting, and growing. And on today's show, it's definitely the latter. Like all quote-unquote non-essential businesses, hair salons are pretty much shut everywhere. But with constant Zoom calls essentially forcing people to show their face and hair every day, sales of at-home hair dye kits have absolutely surged through the roof since the lockdowns and working from home began weeks ago. One brand leading that surge is Madison Reed. Founded back in 2013 by entrepreneur and investor Amy Arrett. the San Francisco-based brand, which runs a dozen now-closed brick-and-mortar hair salons, or color bars as they call them, has seen their online sales explode by 10x since mid-March. As a result, the company's been able to avoid all the painful furloughs and layoffs of other brands. Today, in a special one-on-one episode, I sit down with Amy to hear how she's managed a growing company during the crisis, and how she plans to sustain that growth for the long term.
1: We've seen a 10x increase in our online business. Obviously, we've closed the stores that we've had, and we've also... We are in Alta, an exclusive relationship with Alta, and so those 1,200 stores have also closed. But Alta.com is on fire, and our direct-to-consumer business is up 10x.
0: Yeah, I mean, up 10x—that's insane. And, and I want to kind of walk through a few areas of the business, from you know, from sales to to content to you know, brick and mortar. So sales up 10x—that's because people are at home; they obviously can't go out and visit the salon, and they're just getting stuff straight to their home, right?
1: Yes, and. The thing I would add about that is what I think that there's a combination of things going on. One is many women are still working and so they're over Zoom or they're over Google Hangouts and so video is, they're still being seen. So that's one thing that is critical in the workplace. But the second thing is that you just feel better when your hair looks better. And so I think this is one of those things that's just an emotional experience where if we can spread a little joy for $25 and they can feel good about the DIY nature of it. I think we've talked about this before, but about 50% of women go to a salon and 50% do it at home in uh, pre-COVID times. We have a lot of new salon goers that are coming to us. And I think there's two things that will happen. One, some will go back to their salon. That's awesome. And we're very supportive of that. We think some of those will go to our color bars when they reopen. And then the second thing is we think that there's a number of them who now know that it's easy, more affordable, the ingredients are better. And so they will stay customers either every time or they will potentially, I see a lot of emails to me saying I may go back to my salon, but I'll stretch out my appointments by using Madison Reed in between. We call those people dualists, and we've always had a lot of them.
0: And I know you guys closed the corporate headquarters last month, and as you just said, you've temporarily closed your 12 salons, but you didn't lay off or furlough anybody. Instead, you did something quite interesting and clever. You took all of your colorists and you made them customer service personnel.
1: Yeah, and that was advantageous for two reasons. One is the volume went up 10x. In addition, we always had, Danny had a thesis, and we knew that when when we started the company before we had our color bars, our call center was always certified licensed colorists. So it was the same people that work in our color bars. And now we always had a thesis that, geez, wouldn't it be great if we had a workforce that could flex up and down depending on what parts of the business were at what stage of growth? And so in this particular case, when your business goes up 10x, your call volume and your chat volume and everything, your contact volume goes up dramatically because part of what makes us different is that we, we are available to give advice to every single client. And accordingly, if you have more salon goers that are now joining, they have more trepidation about what is the right color to pick and how do I apply it. And so we were able, for all the right reasons for our team members To move 120 plus people over to our call center. So our call center sort of forexed in size. When we reopen stores, the interesting thing that's going on is that many of the people that worked in stores are like, I actually like this, and I feel like I'll be better at my job because I've learned from sort of the most granular level how the color works, what the clients are asking which will make me better at my job. So we'll have some of them that will go back into color bars, some that may stay in hybrid roles, meaning they'll be part-time on the call center and part-time in color bars. And then some of them will just go back to color bars. And it forced us, frankly, to get all of our training basically done online. Because most of the training historically had been done sort of face-to-face.
0: Do you think you might slow the growth that you wanted to have? Because I know you wanted to open dozens upon dozens upon dozens of brick-and-mortar salons you know, in the next four years. Might you not do that if you think, hmm, maybe our direct-to-consumer market is just going so well?
1: No. I think we're. this doesn't change our strategy. You know, Our strategy has always been predicated on meeting our clients exactly where they want to be. And so I think that unless somebody could prove to me that there's no reason for a woman to ever walk into a place to get their hair colored, that would obviously change our strategy. But I don't think that's going to be true. I think it might take longer or be a step function about her comfort level, but I don't think the world has changed so that she's never going to go anywhere to get anything done when we reopen the first thing we're gonna do in every region is not offer services for the first two to three weeks, but curbside pickup. We have a huge demand of people who want our boxes right now, right today, and they don't wanna wait the three or four days that it takes for them to get them. So we will offer curbside pickup. I think it's a great thing for us to do to reorient ourselves back into opening four wall. And it will also give us a sense of watching what's going on in a region the last thing this company wants to do is offer services when we don't feel good about our clients and our team members.
0: And when this is all over, how do you sustain the momentum? You know, What's the baseline? I mean, you're up 10X right now. Obviously, it's not going to stay that forever. I mean, you know, it'll probably go back down a little bit. And how do you judge how you grow a company when you don't really know where the sales are going to to head?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I don't have a crystal ball, but what I can say are two things that I think are, you know, if I was a betting person, you know, they'd be, you know, probably in the 85 to 90% area code of being directionally correct. One is that it won't stay this way because there are a significant number of women who will want to go back to their stylist in those relationships and the consistency of them feeling comfortable getting their hair colored that way, and I am all for that and respectful of that. And then the second thing I would say is, however, I do think we had been a large company before this, so I want to be clear that this wasn't like we were a very small company and this happened that made us a large company. We were a large, good-sized company before this. But I do think that this created a reduction of the friction point of trying the brand. And what I believe about that is that we will see the benefits of many of the people that tried us who will either stay with us because they're realizing, one, that it worked and, oh my goodness, my hair looks amazing, and I feel empowered and I don't want to necessarily cut off from my stylist, but I might do this in between, or I might do this for a while until I feel comfortable going back. We are spending a lot of time thinking about ways that we can keep many of these customers if they want to stay. And the other side of it is that I have no interest in any tactics that's trying to make somebody stay. That Our company has always been predicated on giving access and choice to our clients. And I want those clients to do whatever's best in their life, right? But I do think the brand will retain a good number of those clients that may have never tried us at home before. And I certainly believe that our color bar business will benefit dramatically, dramatically, for when we're reopening our color bars and people have now tried the product and they're like, geez, I love the product results. I don't want to do it myself, so let me go into a Madison Reed color bar. You know, we spent six years building brand equity. And I think what happened was that all tipped in one moment for people to be like, yeah, I've seen that Instagram ad, I've seen that Facebook. I've heard that lady on the radio a gazillion times. Yeah, I'm not going to go buy Clairol at, at Walgreens. I'm going to try this. So I think that is what happened. So, you know, do I believe that the 10x stays forever? No. And that would be, you know, abnormal and not, you know, I don't know anybody's business that ever does that when there's these moments. Um, But do I think that some things in the brand have changed forever about resonance, brand equity, efficacy? And yeah, I do. I do.
0: Finally, I mean what have you learned as a as a leader as a CEO in the past couple of weeks? I mean, I imagine your employees have been really happy to know that they're not being furloughed like every other company on the planet. I mean, has this made you a better leader or what have you learned during this period?
1: Yeah, Danny, it's it's actually thank you for asking. It's such an insightful question, honestly. There are sort of three categories that I'd say that have changed me personally and You know, I have this theory about leadership. It's not hierarchical. You know, I've known that my entire life. Leadership is actually every person's a leader. Right. Every person in the company, every colorist, every person on the client interaction, every person who's been trying to get boxes to people, you know, in time for them to do their hair, even when FedEx and DHL have half the number of people working because of social distancing, which makes sense. All those people are leaders. So anything I'm going to say in the next three categories are, yeah, Amy's learned a lot, but I think everyone's learned a lot. So the first thing is that triage management is a very different set of skills. And whether, you know, lots of my, you know, I'm still an investor. So there's lots of companies that I've been involved with who've gone the other way, right, who've had very hard and difficult times. You know, a lot of our team members have partners who have lost their jobs, right? That's been devastating we're dealing in triage management in our fulfillment center, not wanting people to break social distancing and getting people sick. So where's our moral compass on that, right? Like we make our color in Italy. So, you know, there has been triage management to make sure that those boxes are getting on a boat and getting here so that we have product for people. So this whole notion of triage management has taught me a lot. And what it's taught me for the most part is that it's not any different than how I lead every day, which is not just from the head, but the heart, you know, understanding people's anxiety levels. Madison Reed might be going gangbusters and they still have kids at home. They still have financial stuff that's changed for them. Maybe a partner's lost their job. They're worried about health and safety. Maybe their parents got sick. Like there is a multitude of stuff and triage management is just an interesting thing that has to access one's heart, not one's head. Number two is rapid growth exposes all the good things and the challenges. You know, I probably would tell you that our business accelerated 14 to 18 months. In two days.
0: I mean, you sales went up 10x. I mean, that's insane.
1: I, I, I can't make it up. So all the things that we were working on and we were working on every one of them, standing up a filling facility ourselves in the U.S. was in progress. We were late to the game that we didn't have it. We've managed through it. Nothing has suffered. But the internal lifting. So, the, so I've learned in this time that like all the rapid growth exposes all the strength that you have. And brand equity and all the inefficiencies, and wow, that's been an eye-opener for me and you know helped me stack rank and prioritize how we're gonna look at our business going forward. And then the third thing that I've learned about all of this is that, you know, when you go from running a good company with great growth that is on a trajectory, and then you go to running a company where You know, it's on everybody's radar screen. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's like I'm being inundated with private equity firms, with bankers. It's like every day I'm now in a different, you know, state in what people knowing we're up to 10x and imputing the numbers and being like, holy moly. It doesn't change anything. It changes the value of the company, but it doesn't change who I am, what we stand for, the choices we would make, the decisions that are important, because this company has always been based on a set of cultural values that I will tell you are not going to change because all of a sudden we're in the forefront of what investors or other people are interested in. We are who we are. It's the stake in the ground. You know, our 15 minutes of fame is all very nice. But we're still the people that have to deliver every day. And so what I tell people all the time is, you may want to talk to me. That's great. Thank you very much. Now I got to go back and execute. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just a different way to look at it. I think when entrepreneurs get in love with love itself about that, things can go off the rails because you start making decisions that are not based on who you really are.
0: And that's it for today. Special thanks to Amy Eric from Madison Reed for today's episode. If you like the episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts. And as ever, sign up to our email newsletter, Courier Weekly, for more stories of pivoting, adapting, and growing. That's at couriermedia.co slash signup. I'm Daniel Giacopelli. Courier Daily's back again tomorrow.